Hello, Legion Clubhouse members. Before we get into this week's show, I just want to remind you that if you are currently not a Major Spoilers patron at patreon.com slash major spoilers, the month of April is the best time for you to sign up with our new annual membership. A lot of people have been asking for annual memberships, you know, pay once for the entire year and get uh, the uh, 12 months of content uh, delivered to you via your exclusive RSS feeds or through emails or through a number of other things at patreon.com slash major spoilers. But during the month of April, we've got a special deal. If you sign up for the yearly membership, instead of paying for 12 months, we're going to give you 16% off, which means you're only going to pay for 10 months. You're paying for 10 months. You still get 12 months of access to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash major spoilers. But this offer will absolutely end at the end of April. So do not wait. Point your browser to patreon.com slash major spoilers. If you're already a patron, thank you so much. And if you're considering being a patron, point your browser at patreon.com slash major spoilers for more information. And we thank you in advance. They were the heroes from the future. Teenagers protecting the universe from those that would sow the seeds of chaos. Each had unique powers and abilities. And though they often had their differences, they came together to save the day as the Legion of Superheroes. Now you can be a part of their adventures and learn the history of the future in the Legion Clubhouse. This week on the Legion Clubhouse, we are going to see what happens when Superman... Uh, tucks his tail and runs. That's all coming up in just a second. Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes number 247, Savage Sanctuary. Published January 1978. Written by Len Wein with art by Joe Stanton. Synopsis. Who can help the Legion when even Superboy is overmatched? Celebration. Published January 1979. Written by Paul Levitz with art by Joe Stanton. Synopsis. A new leadership election proves bad luck for the Legionnaires. So Validus is certainly a talkative one in this issue. Right? And all of a sudden, I, we had this discussion the last time Validus spoke. Uh-huh. But now he's speaking Hulk speak. Validus smash. Validus no like you, bird nose. No, we kill them now. It's weird. It's not the only weirdness in this particular story, but it's weird. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about it. On the one hand, I don't see why he shouldn't talk, but when he's right. kind of when he's kind of introduced as a you know telepathic mutant hybrid thing, right. I think it makes the character both more scary and fearsome, and also more tragic. Right. So here you right. have the love child of Lightning Lass or Lightning Lad and Saturn Girl. And right. the creature can't talk, and it's a humongous size, and it can't control its powers. It really makes it feel a lot more tragic, and then makes you wonder, you know, are the other Fatal Five simply using him as opposed to him being really a fearsome creature? Is he just somebody that's is he just being used as a weapon by by evildoers? That's actually a good point because I kind of feel like he, at least in this issue comes off like he's not right right and that's why the i said best it. fatal five stories you do really get that feeling that validus is like you know a cute little puppy that someone has trained to attack well i'm not even sure a cute little puppy because i'm, I'm not sure that you know a clear dome over your throbbing brain is yeah. is cute but uh, certainly it makes <laughs> you feel a little bit more sympathy for him 
when we eventually discover his tragic backstory. Yeah, that's still like five years down the line, though. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, five yes. and the fatal five, uh, Superboy is flying away as fast as his as his uh, super cape can carry him, which is really fast. But do you think that and again, I know Superman doesn't kill Superboy doesn't kill. Right. But with the awesome power of Silver Age Superboy, should he really be worried? And should we spend most of this issue with him trying to stop the fatal five? Shouldn't he just be able to? you know, swoop in faster than light and just knock these guys out in a single blow? I don't think so for a couple of reasons. Um, the Fatal Five were initially set up as each being a threat big enough for multiple legionnaires. I mean, Therok is essentially as almost as invulnerable as Superboy or Mon-El. Not Validus his human is- side. <laughs> yeah, but his human side, they've got like a force field. And, you know, Validus is nearly invulnerable. Persuader has the axe. Mono can apparently yeah, but, fire blasts okay. out of his hands. Now, so but. you have a you have a um, axe that can slice gravity, right? Yeah, but it can also slice through air. Right. But or cheese. if if I'm coming at you as fast as light and I'm coming at you from behind, I don't care if you have a battle axe or not. You're going down. The slice through momentum. You can't think of it that way because if you try and break down any Superman, Supergirl, even Flash story like that, the whole the whole combine, well, everything about comic books collapses. Uh, yes and no, because either Superboy has ridiculously and Superman Silver, and, and we're talking specifically Silver Age here because. After um, a crisis on Infinite Earths, of course, with uh, John Byrne, they depower him quite a bit. But with Silver Age powers, he can still fly at you at the speed of light, stop at the last second and flick you with his mighty finger and knock you unconscious. And and so I can see that the Fatal Five could be problems for other members of the Legion of Superheroes. But Superboy really should not should not have to worry. He he really is powerful enough to where he can take people out in a single blow. And he could probably take all five of them out in a single blow. I don't think so. And I think that part of the reason that he shouldn't is to build them as a threat big enough to take on the whole Legion. Again, if you try and treat Superman or Superboy in that manner, you do get an Omni-Man. You get a character yeah. where... And this is the problem that I have with uh, Invincible, and we've mentioned it a number of times when we review the series, and with uh, Savage Dragon as well. When you have a character who is treated in that manner, the way we treat Savage Dragon or the way we treat Omni-Man in his series, it's less fun. It's less dramatic. You have those moments where you know something seems to happen, but Superman always manages to punch his way out or be invulnerable. And I feel like it really does kind of, it it picks at the threads that undermine the story. You have to have a credible threat, even though Superman's response time is such that nothing should ever be a credible threat. Okay. No no bullet, no attack, no punch. (laughs) Nothing should be able to touch him. Right. But here's where your argument falls on its face. Because all Superboy has to do is uh, destabilize the internal turbines of the power cell that's holding uh ultra boy and who is it cosmic boy 
All he has to do Colossal is... Colossal Boy and Element Lad? Oh, Colossal Boy and Element Lad. Sorry, I got, I got my uh, uh, heroes confused. Um, all that it does is is getting them out of their holding cell, and the three of them are able to take down the Fatal Five. Yeah. And so that kind of... I don't know. I think that kind of defeats that argument that Superboy really shouldn't be worried if he and a guy who can throw up a, you know, turn turn a wall into kryptonite, uh, anti-kryptonite or lead, and uh, another guy can, you know, do whatever the other guy does, it grow up and, and punch Validus in the face, and you're then you realize that, oh, Validus is only, like, five years old mentally, and then you're just like, oh, man, that guy is horrible. Way to go, Colossal Boy. Um, to realize that, yeah, this really was, there's no real, there's no real threat here. There is, though. And I think that, again, if you, tra- if you, if you say... Why doesn't Superboy just come in at super speed? You really are undermining the story. I mean, he has to come up with something. Yeah, but the story undermines itself. The story undermines itself. He doesn't just come in and punch people. He uses kryptonite, to which, for some reason, the Emerald Eye of Ekron has shown itself to be... Yeah, which uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. Eh, Yeah, but it's been there since the beginning. So it's just a thing. And he uses kryptonite and his amazing skills at billiards to take out the Emerald Eye, which allows him to basically slap kick the Emerald Empress, at which point he frees the other two and it becomes a three. on. Well, he doesn't battle. he doesn't really free them. They I mean, he inadvertently frees them because he turns off the power. The power gets shut down uh, right. to that. But again, it does kind of undermine the argument, because if they're supposed to be a great threat, how does an element shifter Superboy and a guy that can grow up in size, how are those three able to defeat the Fatal Five? And really, it's, it, it does kind of end up that way. Um, they don't defeat them. Well, no, because at some point, one of the aliens of uh, Omnicron SETI-5 jumps up and says, okay, we've had enough of your, your childhood shenanigans. Adults should not be beating up on teenagers regardless of their age because of the serum that we hear we might be able to get if we're ever allowed to join the United Planets. And there's a great line, though, where basically the aliens are like, look, um, you came and did so many wonderful things to our planet. And we really appreciate everything that you did. And we really didn't want to join the United Planets, but we knew that it was something that was important to you. And so we went along with it. But we really don't know anything about the United Planets, and we're not even sure if we want to be part of this galactic organization. And there's this great line that one of the aliens says, he says, you've given us tomorrow, but you've stolen today, which I think is just a fantastic line from, for these aliens to do it. And it immediately gets the Fatal Five to stop what they're doing and go, oh, so I guess we'll leave them? Which again, yeah. lame ending, because they're like, oh, Uh, Well, I guess we've learned our lesson. We shouldn't meddle in other people's affairs, which is, number one, not what the Fatal Five would do. And number two, the response should have been, well, okay, so if we don't if we don't want to be part of the United Planets, would you still want our help on this planet? Because we've learned that we've enjoyed helping your civilization along. And instead, they're just like, okay, we're out of here, yo. And they snap their fingers and they zap to another part of the universe. Before the Legion arrived last issue, the Fatal Five insisted that they just wanted to help. Yeah. And when they're told that they're not helping, they leave, which is interesting. It's, it's, it's a, a strange storytelling choice. 
but it's a brave storytelling choice because it kind of implies that they weren't lying. They really did just want to help. Well, and if that's and the they case, that they didn't, they just, you know, they took off. Well, uh, no, because they don't. The Fatal Five never come out and say, you're right. We never wanted to help you. Our only goal was to become part of the United Planets. There's nothing that says that to them. It's like, no, we really literally says we only wanted to repay you. Yes. And, and, the, and that's in their thinking was we wanted to repay you. Not that, you know, it, it was our goal from the minute we landed here to become part of the United Planets and to sneak in this way. They're like, hey, we are we are trying to do a good thing by helping you. And they're like, well, we really don't want that. Well, instead, they should have said, well, what are some other ways we could help you? Did you know that I can slice with my mighty axe? I can slice the the darkness so that you have an extra hour of daylight to grow your crops. Would that be helpful to you guys? And the other one could be like, you know, I've got this power that could uh, obliterate uh, you know, this uh, this uh, big mountain that's blocking the interstate between your two uh, colonies, that could be very helpful as well. But instead, they're like, well, OK, fine, we're just out of here then. And it just yep. is like it just is like what a lame ending for them to just go. No, we're out. And it's not they don't even threaten revenge or anything. It just really is like either they are either they've learned a valuable lesson right in what it means to be helpful Um. Or they just are like, okay, well, we're just going to go back to being evil again. What if they're jerks who tried to help, but when the help they gave wasn't the help that people wanted, just took their ball and went home? I mean, that's an that's an other option. But when they are. So here's the thing. They are wanted criminals, they are. right? Until they show up and say, look, no, we've been helping this this planet for all this time. We're reformed. By and sticking until the around, arrived, they were in fact trying seemingly to help the planet. Exactly. So if they're trying to rid themselves of criminal intent, then what they need to do is continue to show that they want to be helpful and they want to do good. So in a <laughs> sense, they have not learned anything about what it means to do good. And it, and again, it undermines. I think it undermines the entire story. And really, it, the ending is just lame. Okay, fine. We'll just take our ball and go away. Is is dumb because it's like, okay, why even leave the planet? Why not just continue to fight and battle the the your arch nemeses until the three of them are dead, and then you can go and do whatever you want. It is a weird ending, but it's an ending that feels at least interesting. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's not a good story. Uh, neither part of this two parter is a particularly good story. I mean, I, I like the Fatal Five, so if they want to show up and they want to do some Fatal Five action, I'm for that. I don't know. I feel like it's a, it's it's an interesting tape because it feels to me like the Fatal Five shows up. They're you know they're really trying to turn over a new leaf, but they're not necessarily going to you know change things about themselves. So when the Legion shows up, it's all aboard the murder train time. But then they realize, oh, maybe we're not helping at all. Well, screw you guys, I'm going home. I, I feel like it's kind of a moment that. Maybe they did want to help. If you pos- if you posit that they really did want to help, but they're still selfish, villainous jerks at their core, and they're told your help isn't actually helping, Therox's like, you know what? Fine, we'll just leave you. No, the the the, res- the proper response from arch villains would be, 
You people don't even know what you want because you haven't been developed yet. It is up to us to rule this planet and bring you up to the... That's what an arch-villain would do. There there are a hundred options for what an arch-villain could do. I mean, they could nuke... I mean, Manos could put his uh, hand down and nuke the whole planet, and that would be the end of that. Good. Dr. Doom would probably respond the way Tharok does. He's like, fine. Chump don't want no help. Chump don't get no help. Whereas if you look at Galactus, Galactus would just eat the planet. I mean, there's a lot of arch-villainous ways to respond. And I feel like even though the Fatal Five ending is weird, it, it, it kind of gives the story a different resonance. It does give, to me at least, the implication that Tharok was trying to help. Yes. Whether or not he knew what, what was going on. But when they found out, okay, your help isn't helping, fine. Okay, whatever. I'm just going to go be evil again. So let, me, let me, so let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. What would you do in this situation? You, you show up to your, your daughter's uh, school uh, for whatever she's doing. Uh, she's in a play, right? And so you're like, I will come and help you build a set. And you show up and you're, you know, pounding boards together and you're painting stuff and you're doing all these things and doing all the Matthew stuff that Matthew does. And then someone's like, um, Matthew, we really we've got plenty of help here. We really don't need your help on this. Do you just shrug your shoulders and go, OK, fine, I'm out of here. See you, chumps. Or do you go, oh, OK, is there some other way I could help? Uh, it depends. I mean, if it's if it's earnestly a situation where they don't need help, no, I'll go get a burger. But, you know, it's one of those things where asking what a real person would do and asking what a group of, you know, killer supervillains would do, it is kind of a different thing. Right. But that's why you got to, you know, if you're trying to make a story even somewhat believable and you're supposed to make it somewhat relatable, I don't I'm not saying that you have to make these villains act and behave like a normal person because you don't. That's why you crank that evil factor up to 11 and they're like, too bad. We're here to help anyway. That is a way to go. That's not what they did here. No, and that's why I think it's a lame story and a lame ending. <laughs> but, but you can't necessarily hold the story responsible for what it's not. Saying that well, it it's not good. Go I can it, certainly, it, I can certainly hold it and say this is not a good story. Well, I just said that. Yeah, but here's the I'm thing. not disagreeing with you. You can't necessarily say the story is bad because it doesn't do things that we want it to do. No, no, no. I'm just saying it's that, a bad story because it does weird things that don't you know, necessarily track and make sense. That's what I'm getting at. It's not saying I want this to be the story I want it to be. I'm saying this story needs to be a story that it needs to be not a story that they gave us. Um, and, and needing to be means you need to rethink who your villains are and what their actual actions would be. Now, it, you know, I if, like their motivations, if, if it had turned up like what, what happened to uh Tyrock didn't, um, Oh no, uh, they Tyrock had, no, no, no. When when the Legion came to visit Tyrox's uh, uh, floating island, everybody was throwing rocks at the Legion of Superheroes, and they're like, "Wow, I guess we're really not needed here. I guess we'll, I guess we'll leave." And you know that something like that would have even been a better solution for the Fatal Five to go. Oh, I guess we're really not wanted here, as opposed to somebody just saying, "You gave us tomorrow, but you have stolen today." Again, great line, lame ending though. There's also a B story in this, so there's this is a two story. Actually, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a two-story issue. Well, this is 1979, so technically the second story is actually the lead. They're still operating under the, uh, you know, cartoons before the feature theory at the end of the Bronze Age. So the more important story is in the back of the book. 
Really? Because um, this is a dumb story, too. Yeah, but it's the 247th appearance of the Legion in Superboy 237, which is 247 Legion appearances away from Adventure 247. Now, is it's this a the, big 247th anniversary. Now, is this the point where Matthew actually goes in and counts all 247 uh, appearances of the Legion? Or is this one of those things where we've got a little fuzzy math going on because there was that one episode of Superman's uh, birthday or whatever, where all the Legion show up at WGBS for the for the this is your life Superman kind of thing? Or is this just sticking to the action comic Superboy and the Legion of Heroes, superheroes appearances? I don't know. I didn't do the count, but I trust the people that did. Anyway, it is election time. 247. It is election time. And, um, you know, the best way to pick a new president is for everybody to sit around the table and for a bunch of planets to go spinning around until one flies off and conks you on the head. And that's that's how you were elected president of the Legion of Superheroes. But no, the Legion does not have a president. They decide that they're going to elect their new leader through traditional voting practices. But each time they try it, something goes wrong. Uh, The computer melts down. uh, The backup computer melts through the floor. And uh, then uh, the last one, they have to go out into space, but all of their space gas starts to leak out. And it's very embarrassing. Mm -hmm. And then it all turns out to be a a big old Shrek by uh, Superman because he's like, 247 appearances and which you know also doesn't make a lot of sense uh for <laughs> for a comic book appearances of the legion of superheroes for superman to remember that i don't believe he mentions the 247 uh, that's that was the whole reason right why he was doing all of these things because it's the anniversary of the day that he was inducted into the legion after they pranked him and they were jerks yeah but i don't think he mentions the 247 oh okay i think that's a an out of at one point, at one point, they're like, oh, we've got a mystery for you guys. And uh, they go into the old backup, backup, uh, the old abandoned, old abandoned Legion trophy room. Right. And uh, the one of the people are like, can you name all of the stories in which these elements appear? <laughs> and so, like, there's and the a couple. Is... No, nobody can. Um, I've got a couple. I, I recognize, obviously, Crypto. That was the uh, death of Triplicate Girl. Don't and then. Now. And then there is uh, the Pharaoh Lad statue, which really shouldn't that be on another planet somewhere, but whatever. So there's the Pharaoh Lad statue. I don't think I'd put it in my um, long abandoned, long abandoned trophy room. And then there was, I think, I think there was, um, we just saw that most recently, that quintile crystal. Those are the only three that I could recognize. I, I know that the flag has some importance, but I don't know what the rest are. The flag is the flag of Krypton from Adventure 333. Oh, that's where they were. From yeah, the first okay. Krypton War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the USA Vanguard satellite on that uh, pedestal uh-huh, is uh-huh. actually from the first appearance. That's from one of the gags in Adventure 247. Oh, okay. The Feral Lad statue has been established since the issue after he died as being in the Legion uh, clubhouse. Yeah, but it's supposed to be like in the Hall of Heroes, not the long abandoned, long abandoned trophy room. Okay. Nobody said anything about the room being abandoned, but you. Um, well, I they're like, we have to go back shit. into our, we have to go back into our archive room where it's like, you don't want to put your, your Pharaoh lad statue front and center down to the trophy room. This is where the trophies are kept. He's a trophy. I don't know what the ship is. Uh, I think the ship may be an old Legion cruiser, but the gun underneath it is the time trappers concentrator gun mm. that he used in adventure Three Twenty One. Uh, of course, if you look in the foreground, you see a flight belt, from early Legion stories, the jetpacks that they wore in the first 
uh, very first appearance of the Legion in Adventure 247, and Lightning Lad's right arm. Yeah, yeah, that one's there too. From when but, his arm was bitten off by a super Moby Dick. Yeah. From so the question is, can you name all of the stories in which these appear? The answer is no. But I can name all but one. Yeah, that's the still answer yeah. is then no. You are just so argumentative. No, it, it is literally the fact. Can you name all of the stories in which all of these I- items appear? No, but I can name more. Than See, so no. So no. The answer is more no. That's Stephen. Sometimes that's all you have to do. You, you don't have to run faster than the zombies. You just have to run faster than your friends. Here, here's the thing, Matthew. It really doesn't matter. Uh, but in the end, uh, the, the final vote has been cast. And Lightning Lad is the new president. I like Lightning Lad becoming Legion leader the way this happens. Because the whole story is set up as this back and forth. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Between Wildfire and Brainiac 5. Wildfire wants to be elected to his second term. Brainiac 5 wants to be Legion again. And they spend the whole thing messing with each other. While Superboy is off panel messing with them. And while they're doing all that, everybody's like, screw both of these guys. I'm voting Lightning Lad. I kind of like that that ending where it's just like, oh, and hey, you both lose, you yeah. jerks. Oh, it turns out everybody voted for themselves except for Saturn Girl, who voted for Lightning Lad. So congratulations, Lightning Lad. You win two to everyone else's one. No. I'm pretty sure that's probably how the votes that played out. That is not how it happened. Well, we don't know because uh, even in the Actually, future. Because in the uh, act, well, technically, we don't know what the Legionnaires See? voted for. Exactly. But we do know how the votes went because in this issue's letters page, they actually list Lightning Lad's 300 plus votes to everyone else. Well, that's from the that's from the um, from the reader poll. Correct. Yeah. Um, I believe that Tyrock voted for Lightning Lad. <laughs> I, I don't know, because Tyrock is off planet. I mean, he uh, submitted himself and he was like, why can't a black man be the first Legion leader? Uh, of this of this club, so he probably voted you know, for himself. Superboy his was head like appears for a split second yeah, no. in this issue, which is the most Tyrock we've seen in about a year and a half. We know Superboy abstained. He just basically said none of the above because he didn't want to offend any of his friends because he's too nice of a guy. Uh, we do know that uh, Wildfire's girlfriend voted for him. No, uh, I I think Dawn Star said that she voted for him. Um, was Dunstar in the story? No, I'm trying to re- for, uh, remember. One of the one of them said, "Oh, I'm voting for you," and we see her sliding her ballot into the piece. But we don't know how anyone else voted. So I'm going to bet that everybody voted for themselves, except Shadow for Lightning Lad. Voted for Brainiac. Five. Yeah, Sha- Shadow Lass. That's who it is. Um, but secretly, she just voted for herself, and that and Brainiac Five knows that. That's why he was so angry this entire issue. So my God, you are mad at this comic. I'm not mad at this comic. I just didn't think it was. Yeah, at this poor comic that's just sitting here. I'm not yelling at the comic. I'm just saying that it wasn't overall. This was not a very good issue as far as resolutions and stories. Um, I did like the puzzle bit, right? Because we have talked before that it's like, have you figured it out? Um, I do like those kinds of things in, especially in these kinds of Legion stories where they're just dumb and they don't really um, have any, (laughs) any big meaning or anything. Um, but it was nice to see, you know, Chameleon Boy figuring it out, reminding us why he's the head of the espionage squad. Yes, which is why didn't Brainiac figure it out? He's supposed to be because the smartest. Because of wrong. his, well, because of his rage at Shadow Lass, who voted for herself, even though she said she voted for him, he's all discombobulated and, and isn't thinking straight. 
okay, there are people listening to this show who are asking us what happened in the Legion of Superheroes, and you are making stuff up. No. You are fan No. No, because based on all the things that that has been presented in this issue, I'm voting for you, Brainiac. Yes. And how many times have people said, hey, President uh, X guy who uh, nobody likes, I'm going to vote for you. And then like 61 million people voted for the other guy. What's that got to do with the fact that you made this up? (laughs) When we're just I'm just saying here are the facts. Brainiac is upset. Brainiac should have figured this out. The first uh, the first clue, he's if he's so smart, but he's got something that's distracting him. And it's because he's really doesn't trust Shadow Lass because he knows that everybody voted for themselves, except for Saturn Girl, who is like, I've already been leader of this club enough times. I don't want any more responsibility. I'm voting for my husband. And that's how he ended up with two votes. Something is very wrong with Brainiac 5. And this issue is just an example of how things are wrong with Brainiac 5. If you enjoy the show, we would appreciate your support. You can find out more and become a Legion Clubhouse member at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes number 248. Beneath the Street Lurks Death. Published February 1978. Written by Jerry Conway with art by Joe Stanton. Synopsis. When a legionnaire is injured in the line of duty, the team threatens to come apart. We are on issue 248. Yep. I do like that we are seeing long-lasting repercussions. Not just, hey, do you guys remember when uh, we flew off to the sun and had that adventure? See uh, pages uh, 241 through 242. Uh, I like that this one is like, we just went through Earth War, and the Coons have brutalize this planet so much that we are still seeing the repercussions two issues later where the Legion are helping everyone uh, rebuild the planet, reorganize uh, things. I like that we see the events of Earth War still playing out, or at least the aftermath of Earth War and not just, oh, two issues later, everything's back to normal. It's a nice, bright, shiny world and nothing ever happened because it never, ever happened. Right. What do you think about that? Do you like that stuff? I do. And I feel like it's interesting that we get that here. This is the first issue of Jerry Conway taking over as regular Legion leader. And we talk about, you know, Marvel style storytelling. Jerry Conway literally came to DC from Marvel and jumped on Legion and went, okay, continuity, baby. We're going to take these moments and have them actually meaningful. And it's nice to see these consequences, even if the consequences themselves don't necessarily make a whole lot of sense Yeah, yeah. from what we saw. It's nice to have people go, yes, Earth War, we still have to rebuild the planet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Swamp Thing is drunk in the sewers and something terrible is going on. I really do like that. Yeah. We also learned that there's something loose in the sewers. Some child has flushed an alligator down the sewers and it has turned into this vile Hydra swamp. Uh, sludge thing that they have to go after and I just kind of laugh because you know the alligators in the sewer thing has been a myth well not really a myth because they have found alligators in the sewers Um, but there have been these stories of New York City is full of chuds New York City is full of alligators in the sewers and that goes all the way back to 
uh, I think 1907, uh, where the, where there's a report in uh, this New Jersey newspaper that says uh, uh, alligator in the sewers. Uh, he was uh, this guy was cleaning out the sewer Friday when a workman called his attention to a strange object in the wa- water. Uh, this man picked it up, but suddenly dropped with a yell. Workman then examined the object, with, which proved to be a young alligator about 18 inches long. It had nipped the dude's uh, right hand, but inflicted little injury. So that goes back all the way to 1907. But then in the 1930s, uh, we see um, uh, stories that say alligator hunt in the Bronx River thrills police stalking alligators in the Bronx River lair. Uh, in the 1930s, and then we also see in the 1930s, that's when you could order uh, live baby alligators and have them sent to you through the mail. And I'm sure a live ba- baby alligator showed up at your house and your mom simply flushed it down the toilet right away or the thing got too big. And so they shoved it down the uh, the storm drain. But uh, there's even a story from 1935 where an eight foot gator was lassoed in the Harlem sewers. So, you know, the stories of there's something in the sewers have been a staple in American, I don't want to say mythology because obviously it's true, but just this common, just this common, oh yeah, for sure, there's tons of alligators living in the sewer kind of thing, that kind of mythology. Sort of a folk history. Thing. Yeah, kind of a folk tale or a folk history kind of thing. I really kind of dig that and kind of how they've kind of wrapped that into uh, this this story. Yeah. The the thing about it that's interesting is that Sunboy, you know, makes that reference, but also there's a lot more to it. But you you get to the moment where he's like, well, Superboy told me, like, aren't you from Earth? Didn't you just hear these things? I don't know. But that's just me. It It is kind of neat, but this whole story feels off to me. Just the characterization. Sunboy is a terrible leader, by the way. Do not follow Sun. I wouldn't follow Sunboy, like, through the drive-thru at Fuddruckers. Is he the one that screams, help my woman now? No, that's Monel. Oh, that's Mon. Oh, yeah, because um, is because it Shadow? Sunboy gets Shadow Lass injured. Yeah, by the big slimy, gross monster thing. Yeah. And then Monel's like, "Help my woman now!" Brainiac and Brainiac is like, "Fine, I'll do it." Yeah, and then but, he's like, yeah. "Well, I've done all." And then so he's like, "Look, I've done all I can do." After they bring uh, her back to the to the lab, uh, Brainiac's like, "Look, I've done all I can do. She's either yeah. going to make it or she's not." There's yep. nothing more for if me to do here. If she survives the next five days, she'll live. Otherwise, she won't. Now, can I get back to my weather yeah. report? And he's just like, look, I need to go and, and finish my important things that I'm doing. And everyone's like, how dare you, you callous fiend. And he's like, I did everything you asked me to do. What do you want? Me to sit here and mourn with you the entire time, Monel? I don't think so. We've all got things to do. I'm going off to do my thing. Yeah, there's something wrong with Brainiac 5. Maybe. Maybe we will never find out. Or maybe we will oh. Dear I mean, listener, you're going to have to keep uh, keep listening to the show and find out. Something is very wrong with Brainiac 5, but not nearly as much as what's wrong with the bank accounts of R.J. Brand. Oh, no, he's broke. Oh, oh again? Wait, was he, he was broke once before, I thought. I don't, I don't think so. Not that I remember okay. in any of the stories. So this may be the first time that he's done. He's just, And I love this. He's like... Uh, all of my bank accounts and my accountants say that I'm broke, but I refuse to believe it. Uh, I'm going to hang up on all of these guys and talk to no one because I'm going to stick my head in the sand and just assume that I still have my millions of dollars, which and, I think is just kind of a, something from the sewers. I, I just kind of uh, laugh at that. Right. Where it's just like, ah, there's no way I can be broke. I will just ignore all reports that I am broke and therefore <laughs> I can't be broke. Yeah. Sounds like somebody we know. Yeah. Um, 
I do enjoy the way these stories kind of come together. Uh, you say alligators in the sewer. They look more like alligator pears. They're like giant avocado things. But I, I, I also hate it because it doesn't make a lot of sense to transition from R.J. Brand going, oh, I can't be bankrupt. And now he's being eaten by the swamp thing. Yeah, because then all of a sudden the sludge, the slime, the blob, the whatever it is, has crawled through the sewers and is attacking him. Um, yeah, so we don't even really know why that connection is is going on, and maybe it has something to do with him being broke, although I just looked at the broke part as being, oh, here's another ongoing story that will carry over into the next couple of issues as they try to figure out where his money is and then figure out who's been stealing his money, and then, of course, finally, the return of all of his money, and it's kind of like a side-side story, like a C-plot yeah. that you might see running through the story. So It's very uh, doing that thing that he did on Spider-Man, where yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, yeah. In six issues, we'll find out why Flash Thompson is looking so weird. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so I I didn't really connect that there's a slimy monster after R.J. Brand because of his money. So I don't know if that is the case or not. But um, it was, you know, scary monster stuff. Yeah. And as I went through this issue, I felt like it was going really, really quickly. And I got to the end and it's like, oh, that felt really short. And actually, it is 22 really pages. Short. Yeah, we're we're at 18 pages now. Last issue was 22 mm-hmm. with the two stories. The issues before that, the three before that were all 24 pages. Yeah. So we're really seeing the cost-cutting measures. Now, I um, again, I'm using the uh, the Comixology edition. Right. Uh, and again, you can go and get these volumes over at Comixology. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can go and buy those and uh, you can help us out a little bit that way as well. But in your copies that you have, Matthew, um, yeah. did they increase the amount of ads and keep it at the same like 22, 24 pages, but they just added a couple of pages of ads or did they literally cut down on the they physical number of pages in the issue? The physical number of okay. pages. That's interesting. So 20, the 22 pages of story was actually a 36 page comic. Mm-hmm. And I believe the 18 pages of story here was actually only a 28 page comic. I'd have to go back and count the actual pages. I just counted story pages as I was going through because well, I ignore. And again, we talked about DC explosion and DC implosion. I guess one of the things that would surprise me is this, you know, keep this at 28 pages or whatever it is, cut the story down to 18 pages and then use those additional pages that you get the extra six pages as ads. ads uh, yeah. Because even, even in the late seventies, early eighties magazine ad sales are still a great way to, to make money. And so if DC was really in a financial straight, uh, mm-hmm. That would be the easiest way to do it is just increase the number of ad sales, even if that means you have to buy, even if you have to sell a bunch of the little quarter or 16th page ads talking about uh, muscles uh, that you can get when you go to the beach or, you know, buying your own little baby alligator that you can put in the sewer. <laughs> well, and this is about the time. This is the issue that came out in February of 79. This is about the time where DC's expansion during the explosion really starts to crash. The first months of 1979 are when we see the beginning of, I think it's 17 cancellations. Mm -hmm. They almost canceled Detective Comics. I mean, the whole thing kind of comes apart really quickly. Yeah. But as you get into 1979, you also see the remaining books. This happens at Marvel, too. The remaining books do get smaller. Mm -hmm. Marvel Comics are actually down in page count, too, in 1979. But they still kept those prices Yep, the 40 cent price point is still there, even though this is four fewer pages than last month and six fewer pages than the month before that. I guess that's the other way to do it is instead of packing with ads and then doubling up the amount of money you can make, 
uh, just screw everybody over and just uh, reduce the number of pages. And uh, so that'll cut your overhead and keep the prices high. So, hey, win win for everybody. Well, you know, comic books had been 12 cents since the 60s, and they had only changed prices three or four times since 1936. So, honestly, by, by 1979, they might have needed to do the expansion, they yep. needed to charge more for the books. Yep. So, overall, uh, he, uh, better than go. 247 i think i think so at least uh, I've, I've got fewer things to say about it uh i do like the alligators in the sewer and i do like that uh you know we get this villain that cannot die i mean in the late 70s and early 80s we're starting to see that a lot i mean we have halloween in 79 we have alien that came comes out in 79 as well i'm sorry halloween came out in 78 uh alien came out in 79 something that you just can't kill alligator interestingly enough came out in 1980 and then, of course, we have the Chuds that came out in 1984. So we've got that going for us. So I kind of like that something something is hiding in the in the sewers and it, you can't kill the villain and it's going to keep stalking you again and again and again. So hopefully we'll find what happens and in the next installment. You're all going to die because Sunboy is a terrible leader. Probably. That wraps it up for this installment of the Legion Clubhouse. I want to thank everybody for being a part of this and listening uh, week after week, month after month, year after year. I cannot believe that we have been doing this show since like 2017 or something like that. Uh, Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. That's four years of Legion goodness. I know, right? And so thank you for everybody for supporting us over the the time. We hope to continue far into the future uh, until we get to the uh, actual year that the Legion would uh, would have been formed. Uh, we can keep that going with your support. But, Matthew, what did we learn this week? We learned that you can't keep a secret from your telepathic wife. We also learned that Validus, tragic character when he doesn't speak, but kind of a lame villain when he does speak. And we didn't learn what the heck that silver ship was in page Sunny Tuzafada of 247. Again, thank you, everybody, for joining us this week. We will be back again next time. Until then, I'm Alligator Man. And I'm Help My Woman Now. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Stephen Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Stephen Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Stephen at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.